Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It almost feels like the year has begun. I always feel like it begins in February. Like January's almost a write-off. We see different people on different weeks. It's holiday mode, holiday zone time. So the near year has nearly begun. And I said at the beginning of this series, don't make plans for this year without speaking to God about it because I always believe that God has a plan for each and every person that's in this room. It's not just something we say, God really does. He really has a plan for each and every person. And so if we want to get on board with that, one of the things we've got to do is lean in and listen to Him. I tell you something, is when you start to follow the call on your life, whatever it is, and I, I think we're all called, but some of us follow it at, at a greater distance, and I really mean that. So, so the, the closer you get to that call, you, you'll understand that you go through you know, all kinds of challenging seasons and difficult times. And, and you know, let's be honest, even if you're not following the call of God, you go through challenging times and difficult seasons. And you know, one of the reasons why I absolutely love the Psalms is because the Psalms are this raw expression of emotion about taking the twists and turns in life and looking for God in the middle of the complexities of all of those things. And I want to do a Psalm today that I think just demonstrates um, the, the, the magnificence, the significance of who God really is. And so I, I'm actually only going to do half the Psalm because I just didn't have time to do the whole thing. I'm going to do Psalm 33 if you like headings for a message. This is called, What is God Really Like? So um, it's on the screens for you, but if you have a Bible, you can open it to Psalm 33, verse 1. It says, shout. Everyone say shout. Shout. That was pretty good. Maybe we should embody it like it says it, right? (laughs) Everyone shout, shout. Shout. It was fractionally louder, okay? But, But it was there. Shout for joy in the Lord. Did you notice that the word Lord is in capitals? That's not in capitals so that you shout it. That's how we send text messages, but it's not how they write the scriptures. It actually means Yahweh. And Yahweh is used 4,615 times in the scriptures, and it's the personal name of God. Elohim means God. But when we say Yahweh, it's the personal name of God. And it's so significant that even though we see it written, people in this time would barely even utter the word if they would say it. In fact, commentators say interesting things about the name Yahweh. We've added some letters to Yahweh in order to be able to say it. But if you read what commentators say, they say, you really can't say it like that. That's not how we should be saying it. It actually is more like a breath. Can you imagine that? How smart of God. You know, the the Bible says that he is Ruah, which means what? He's wind, he's spirit. It makes sense that Yahweh would be similar to that in the sense that his personal name would just sound like a breath. Isn't that cool? I think it is. 
I think it's amazing that every living creature on planet Earth, whether knowing it or not, declares the glory of God with every breath that they even take. Even the atheist who draws upon it to say his next sentence doesn't understand that with every breath he declares the glory of who God really is. I think that is pretty amazing. He's a breath, Yahweh. It says, oh, you righteous, praise befits, which means that it's appropriate, the upright, that's his people. In other words, if I was to look at the scripture that I just read so far, it's saying, get loud. <laughs> get loud. This is what it's all about. It's, it literally opens with the word shout. Give thanks to the Lord with liar, like not a liar. Don't find someone who lies and say, great, now we can worship. It says, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, which is an instrument. Make melody to him with a harp of 10 strings. Not one of those average ones with eight, but the proper ones with 10. Um, I, I looked up, I wanted to know what kind of instrument that was. It's, it's actually a lute. It's got, it looks kind of like a guitar. It's got 10 strings. It says, sing to him a new song. It's great we did a new song today. I like that song. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully, like at level 10, okay? Don't bring God your average level of service, but play skillfully on the strings with loud what? Shout. Yeah, but can you just embody it when you say it? With loud what? Shout. All right. I feel like you might understand this some by the end. Verse 4. It says, for the word, now the word word there means statement. So the statements of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. What is this God that we worship? What's he like? Well, I'll tell you, verse five, he loves righteousness and justice. That's good for us. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Lord. Verse six, by the word. Now this one's different. This word here, word, means rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So by the spoken word of God, or the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, their host. Their host, it means sun, moon, stars, sky. That's remarkable. By his breath, these things were created. Verse seven, he gathers the waters of the sea in a heap. Try to think of the Red Sea. He can hold it back. He stores it. He holds the, the waters of the ocean. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. A couple nights ago, we were watching the NBA. We, have a, we are a basketball family in my house. Okay, We're watching, and I know this... Many of you don't care about this, it's fine. We were watching the Warriors play the Grizzlies. We're Warriors people. And it was a tight game. I mean, it was close the, the whole way. And it was awesome. And so we're all there. And as we are watching this game be played, there were moments where we didn't, count each other in and go one two three yeah you know like we didn't need to do that we simply saw and responded so there were moments where we saw things and we just shouted at the television 
We shouted because we were excited. The good news, everybody, and just to break the tension, because I know you're all wondering, Golden State won that game, all right? So, no claps. Anyway, it's fun. <laughs> so, we're watching it, and we are demonstrative. We are excited. We are clapping. We're doing weird things, like, because we are pumped about what we're watching. We are not unique. People do this all the time. Did you watch the tennis last night? Did not, yes, did you watch the tennis last? Okay, so some of you watched the tennis. It was awesome. And I looked at this name. It, it is Rebikina, right? Or Rebikina? None of you know. Fine, it's whatever I... It's my sermon. It'll be what I want it to be. Rebikina? Rebekina. So she has a name? It's up for debate about how to say it. But we're watching it, and right, the whole crowd is doing the same thing. They're excited, they're shouting, they're getting, you know, all pumped up. Why? Because they see something, and their response to it is to get excited. It's just how people are. Loud shouts are the response to an awesome God. Loud shouts are the response to an awesome God. Psalm 33, and this is not Revelation, so if you're taking notes, no need to write this next part. Psalm 33 happens right after Psalm 32, okay? There is deep teaching at this church. Psalm 32 is all about singing praise to God. Psalm 33 is the response to Psalm 32. So when we look at this psalm, it's a response to something. Do you know what is astonishing to me? I've been a Christian for some time now, and I know that we can take some Christian people to the football and they get mad, like, like loud, like they're shouting, they're getting excited. And you sit next to them at church on Sunday morning, and for some ungodly reason, they become the frozen chosen. And I'm thinking... What happened to you since last night? Where, where is the excitement that you had? Like, if we're going to get excited about a game that goes for a couple of hours, and, and yes, it's exciting, and, and yes, it has some relevance to our life, this stuff that we read and what we hear in church has eternal significance. I mean, it affects you in eternity. Why would we get excited about something that's there one minute and gone the next? And then we come into church and we start to have praise songs and other things, you know, and, and people just go silent. Honestly, church, I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. And, you know, being, in a, being a, a, a preacher... I get the unique privilege of looking at all of your faces while I'm speaking. <laughs> and so sometimes I can see that some people are really excited. And then there are other people with their resting face. <laughs> and I choose to believe by faith that they are thinking what I am saying is so deep, they're just thinking deeply and hard about it. I choose to believe that they're enjoying it with an expression that cannot be you know, shown on their face. So they're just holding it all in. I, I, I don't know. You know, David said, I was glad when, they, when he went to the house of the Lord. Some people look like they're mad. What are you mad about? 
It's exciting to come to church. I'll tell you one thing that we don't want to do. We don't want to become so familiar with the process of church that we forget the significance of gathering together as God's ecclesia. That means His church, His community, His called out people, that when we get together, we're like a little bit ho-hum. You know the process? Pull into the car park, say hi to someone on your way in, straight to get a coffee for those who are saved. You know, and you, 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 you walk into to church, what are we going to do? Oh, same thing, guys. Right? Uh, one fast song, a couple slow songs, and, and you know, someone's going to preach, a couple of announcements. There we go, you know. Man, that's, I, I, I'm not sure if that's the way that we should be approaching it. Like, I, can I tell you something? I really mean this. I am incapable of being, you know, unauthentic. So, so who I am is going to bleed through. I can't stop that. So my point is, if you see me excited, it's because I am. And the reason that I am is because all week I am praying about what God might even do in this place on Sunday. And I have a level of faith and expectation that the Holy Spirit will move on the hearts of minds of people as they're sitting here. I come with expectation. So I get a little giddy. You know, I get a little bit excited about it. Now I understand that there is a time and place for everything. So sometimes people that, that, that have their resting face on, right, that you ask them and, and, and maybe they say, well, that's just reverence for God. And there's absolutely a place for that. We revere Him. We hold Him as holy and significant. And so we have reverence for God. But if that's all you ever have, it's a little one-dimensional. How can you say that, Pastor Ben? Oh, because I just read Psalm 33. There, are, there is this multi-dimensional relationship that we have with God. It's not just through this reverence. Yes, that's always there. And yes, that's always in place. But if I read Psalm 33, verse 1, word 1, it says what? Thank you to the people that were listening down here. It says what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I love it, mate. No, it's true. It says shout. You know, um, if you're married, you, you, you might understand this. <laughs> when you first start doubting, the doubting, geez, I've already, I've, I've, I've made a mistake. When you start dating... There are so many places that I could go with this, but or doubting. When you start dating the person who becomes later becomes your spouse, date number one, what do you do? Oh, come on. You, you have a shower, right? You freshen up. You're going to get ready for this thing, right? But five years into marriage, you're wearing socks with Crocs. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then your wife says, you look ridiculous. And you're like, I don't care. You've signed on. It's too late. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Become a little familiar, right? It's like, you don't care. Like you would, who would wear socks with Crocs on a date? Someone who doubts, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> someone who's thinking, I don't, I don't think, I'm not going to work at this. I'm not even sure this is going to go anywhere, right? But if you want to impress that person, you get a little bit dressed up. I feel like some people are like that with church. You become so comfortable, so familiar, that 
some way in a, in a way that might be negative. And it's good if your relationship is at the point with socks and crocs, right? That's great because you're not worried about that anymore, right? I just think it's not so great when we do it with church where we become overly familiar with the presence of God to the point that we come to church with zero expectation that God is going to do something in our presence. I remember going back to church after a long time of being away from church. And I walked in and saw some of the people that were a similar age to me. And they had spent all life, all their life, their childhood, their teenage years growing up in church. It was so familiar to them. And one of the things that I remember thinking after a while of being there is none of these guys really seem to be that passionate about God. And that concerns me. I, I, I want to say, if you're in here today and, and you're a teenager or you're a, a, a kid that has grown up in church your whole life, sometimes you can be in danger of just running through the process because, you know what, mom and dad just take you along and it's the same thing over and over. You become so familiar with this, you forget the significance of this. And I don't want to ever let that happen to me. I don't want to ever let that happen to our kids. I, I, when, I, when I see a total lack of excitement uh, uh, about church, do you know what I honestly think? I go, what has happened to your heart? People are just even taking business calls in church now. <laughs> Not even worried about the fact that someone's preaching, you know? Make that deal. <laughs> Come on, I had to do something with it, right? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you still expect God to speak to you when you open the Word of God? Do you, um, are you still excited to go to church? <laughs> if you're a parent with very small children, you're just glad you made it. I get it, but... But at the same time, it's like when you get here, is there a level of faith and expectation? Can I ask a question for anybody whose heart is just waning right now and your passion for God is at an all-time low in your life because you broke routine over the summer holidays and were just, you're out of rhythm, you went on holidays, promise yourself you read your Bible, that lasted the first two days, now you don't even know where it is. You know, you're glad that we've got it on the screen for you, you know, and, and so if that's the stage or the season that you're in right now, can I ask you a question? When did I get to to become I have to? Like, oh, I guess I got to go. Like, you know, this is an indication of what's going on in your heart. And I don't think that that's right. Guys, it's time to sing a new song. Thank you, verse three. Do you know every season has a song? Every season has a song. You know, like when we got married, Sarah wanted to have this song to, to, that we would play at our, at our wedding for our first dance. And I told Sarah in preparation for this moment that I would sing it to her. And she told me, don't you do that. <laughs> so husbands, obey your wives, right? So I'm, I'm not going to do it. But the song um, is by a band called Lone Star. The song is called Amazing, right? And some of you are like, 
don't know it. Yet yeah, fair enough too, because I've hardly ever heard that song. Like even when, when Sarah said, hey, I'd love to have this song at our wedding, I'm like, so what is it? And who's the band? And what do they do? It's a little bit country, which is weird because we are not country Western you know, music people. But um, you know, it is, that's the kind of style of the song. She wanted it. And you know what? She could have whatever she wants. She wants to dance to that song at our wedding. We're going to do it. So you hardly ever hear it. But every now and then it comes on the radio. And when it does, what happens to me? Oh, I'm just transported back to that dance, right? Do you ever have a song that just takes you back? You know, and you, and, and you are listening to it and you're excited because you go, man, I haven't heard this for a while. And then you re- realize by slip of the finger, you're actually listening to Gold 104. And why are they even playing that on Gold 104? Why did they start playing contemporary music on Gold 104? It's actually because that song is 25 years old. I'm just projecting now. But you listen to it and you go, oh, I remember this back in high school. Oh, I remember that song. And, we were, you know, and, and so you have this song and it, and it takes you back. So, so Psalm 33, it's not an old song. It's a new song. And what's the new song about? It's about the new move of God. It's about the new thing that God is doing. And what is God doing? It's actually about, and if you read Psalm 32, you start to understand this, His new work of forgiveness Psalm 33 is the response to that. And I I just figured to myself, they wrote a song about the kind of forgiveness they could receive in the Old Testament. And it just kind of reiterated to me how excited we should be every single day because what we have in Christ Jesus, they only dreamed of. I mean, the gospel, that Jesus Christ would come from heaven to earth and live a perfect life but pay the penalty for our sins and our mistakes. And because He loves us, He would take all of our our sin, our shame, our guilt, and He would replace that with His perfect life. In other words, His righteousness, we exchanged our brokenness and sin for His righteousness by faith. And I look at that and I think we, we should get excited and wake up every day and be pumped about what God has done in our hearts and in our lives. I think, I think the people that get most excited about the gospel are the people who have a clear picture about who God is and what God has done. I, I'm telling you right now, you've got to get a clear picture of who God is. Part of Psalm 33 does that for us. That's what verse 4 to 7 is all about. I don't know how you met your spouse, I met my spouse in a nightclub. (laughs) And can you really even trust a girl that you meet at a nightclub? Well, 17 years later, we've been married 17 years. So yeah, uh, you know, it it all came together in the end there, guys. And, And so, yes, we do, right? Why am I saying that? Because when we first met, Right? We actually met at a friend's party. They turn it, it's, it's one of those places where you, you meet in the afternoon and then it kind of, they start moving tables and it becomes a nightclub and you think, what happened here? So, so that's what happened to us. But anyway, that, that, that's where we met. And I, I like Sarah. I just didn't know if I could fully trust her because I didn't know her that well. Right? And I understand something to be true about any relationship. If there's no trust, there's no future. If there's no love, there's no future. That's one of the fundamentals of relationship. Why am I even bringing this up? Well, I think it's because there is a world full of people right now that are asking the question, can we trust God? Because there's no future to that relationship if God doesn't love them and they don't trust Him. 
There's got, there's got to be some connection there. Psalm 33 is such a good response to anyone who's had questions about who God is. Verse 4 to 7. Let me, let me just pull out some of the key words for you to paint a clear picture. God is righteous. That's good for us because if He's corruptible, we are all in trouble. He's just. That's good for us. He is love, the Bible says. It said in the Psalm 33 that the earth is full of His love. He holds the ocean. Like literally, and actually the way that it's written, it means He holds the ocean in jars. Kind of blows your mind to think about that. And then it says that He breathes out stars. That's that's pretty impressive. I, I, I thought if I just say that, people will go, hmm. but not really fully appreciate the magnitude of what that means. So just so you know, the sun has a radius of 695,700 kilometers. It takes light 8.3 minutes to get from the sun to our earth. The earth has a radius of 6,400 kilometers, right? And he just, what, breathes it out. Is that impressive? Yeah. All right. If the earth was a golf ball, the size of the sun would be 15 feet wide. Like that's how big the earth is in comparison to the sun. It's pretty cool. Many of you are unimpressed. God, I apologize for these people. All right. Let's keep going. Um, you can fit 960,000 earths inside the sun. All right. Now we're starting to cook. All right. But as you know, uh, the sun is not the biggest star that we have. So for many years, people thought that this distant star called Canis Majoris, that that was the largest uh, star that we have, sun. Right? Canis Majoris has a radius of 988.3 million kilometers. I knew we'd get there eventually. <laughs> so just by comparison, the Earth, 6,400, Canis Majoris, 988.3 million. Okay. If the Earth was a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. It's impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, put, you put this, some of you, I guess, you know, you, you put this on Mount Everest and stand back and go, that's the earth, that's Canis Majoris. It's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive, right? But Canis Majoris is still only the eighth largest star. So there's, an, there's another star that they found because technology gets better. And it's called UI Scooty. And Scooty sounds like something that you would name a Chihuahua, but I promise you, I promise you <laughs> that that is not how we're meant to do that comparison, all right? So it is so big 
that if you flew a plane at the speed of light, it would take seven hours and two minutes to circle. So just for reference, the sun, our sun that I spoke about earlier, it would take you 14 seconds to fly around, right? That's how big it is. So I thought, this, this, is, this is pretty amazing. Um, I thought, I, what I wanna do is show you a picture of what this looks like, just so you have some kind of understanding and appreciation, right? So that, if you can see the very top left-hand side, that's our sun, okay? And below, is that little chihuahua called Scooty, <laughs> right? Right? This is impressive, yes? Okay, 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 good. How long did it take God to create that? The time it takes to breathe. And it's there. Are you kidding me? What do you say to a God like that? What do you say to a God that's that big? Well, that's what verse 8 and 9 are all about. It says, let the earth fear the Lord, which means to hold him in holy reverence. See, there is a time and place for that. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The words of God are so strong, they will never fail. Jesus said, and for reference, so you know, he is God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. How trustworthy is God? How trustworthy is he? All right. Many of you will go to sleep tonight and you wake up expecting heaven and earth to be there. I think we all would think that that's going to happen. But it is more likely that all of this, heaven and earth, it all passes away. It is more likely that that is going to happen than for one word of what God says to fail. What am I saying? I'm saying you can trust God. You can, like, you can totally trust Him. Psalm 33 is a song that begins shout, praise, right? That's the natural response that we have to God. We, we praise God because He deserves it, not because He needs it. He doesn't need us to praise Him in order for Him to be glorified. He has constellations and planets that exist that glorify Him just because they exist. And He wasn't waiting until this century when we had the technology to discover those things to then say, wow, you really are amazing, God. He already knew that He was amazing. He knows that. 
He doesn't need every one of us to say, God, you're amazing. With every breath we declare, Yahweh is amazing. Everything that breathes on planet Earth declares the goodness and the glory of who God is. We don't praise Him because He needs it. We praise Him because He deserves it. He's worthy. Like anyone that's able to do what I just said, that person deserves some praise. And we praise a lot of people in the media. We praise a lot of people on planet Earth. But when you've got a God that can do what I just said, He is worthy of praise and honour. Hey, why do we praise Him? He deserves it. He deserves all of our praise, all of the honour and all of the glory that we could possibly bring He deserves it. One of the things I love most about God is there's no gap between what He says and what He does. There's no gap. I mean, you read the start, Genesis, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was no gap between what He says and what He does. Read the creation account. Everything He says, He does. Everything He says becomes reality. Everything He says comes to pass. He is faithful, Psalm 33, verse 4. So what's the point of this psalm? Well, I think about the people that were reading this for the first time. And they would have understood this to be true, that God loved Israel. That He forgave Israel. That He redeemed Israel. And what was the response of their heart? Praise. That's what it meant to them. That's why they wrote this psalm. Because they praised Him because what? They had a clear picture of who God was in that moment. And I look at this and I think God is willing to do that for them. How much more would He be willing to do the same thing for us since He sent His Son Jesus to pay the penalty for all of the sins across the whole earth for all time. God loves you, forgives you if you accept that, redeems you. Do you know what the word redeem means in the original Hebrew language? It means to restore something to its originally intended and created purpose. I started this message by saying God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But like the Scriptures say, from the womb, people just go astray, right? But when He redeems you, what is He doing? He's restoring back to you the call that He had on your life before you even declared Yahweh with your first breath. Listen to what the Scriptures say, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And a God this big, with a love that great, who holds the ocean and the stars and the universe, I'm telling you right now, if He can hold all of those things, I promise He can hold you. I promise He can hold you. Why don't you stand to your feet? I feel like God is saying, hey, you can trust me. This year, you can trust me. Just close your eyes for one minute. There there are so many people that would even be in this room today that would have things that honestly they are worried about. All right, it might be you, it might be the person next to you, but I'm telling you right now, there are things that are on your mind. And God is saying to you, you can totally trust me. 
But I feel like some people are actually holding and carrying things that only God is big enough to hold and carry. And if you're able to trust Him with what you're holding, then you'll be free to praise like Israel did because you're no longer weighed down by the things that you think you need to hold together. You realise that He puts the oceans in a jar, that He holds back the oceans, that He breathes out stars. And in the middle of all of that, He sees you, He knows you, He loves you, He forgives you, He wants to redeem you. And it says you can cast your burdens on Him. So as we begin this year, because it's nearly Feb, I just wanted if you needed to hand anything over to this incredible, trustworthy God, that time would be now. And if by virtue of the fact that you know you're holding something that, you, that you've just been, it's been on your mind and you want to hand it over to God so you have that kind of peace to be able to praise and not be weighed down, can you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. And there are so many people that are raising their hands right now that are saying there are so many things that have been on my mind. I've been thinking so much about stuff that I want to hand over to God. Father, I thank you for every person who this morning says, God, I trust you. I totally trust you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that they would hand over every weight, every burden, everything that's been weighing them down. You are a good and trustworthy God. And our response is to praise you. But in this moment, we make a decision to trust you because you love righteousness. You are good to the core of your being. We thank you, God, that in you, there's no shadow, there's no variation. You're good every day in every season. And Father, I pray as people by faith say, God, can you have this weight? Can you, can you carry this burden? I pray, let a spirit of peace just come upon people this morning. Let, let, let your spirit of grace just rest upon every single person that, that they don't have to hold everything together. They don't need to carry all of that weight. That God, you actually are that big and you actually are that mighty. You are that powerful and you're able to carry what we cannot. Father, I do pray that as we leave church later on today, that Lord, there would be a lightness to our spirit because we understand the significance of who you are. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.